Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam. This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Excited for today's solo episode. Got a little coach, not mini coach's corner episode. I've been doing more of these lately because a lot of people say they like them. So here we are. I'm going to talk about something that is going on in my running life and something that I utilize uh, as a coach as well, something that I've learned from and that I make sure that I share with my athletes. I want to make sure that I share it with you as well. So what we're going to get into is something that happened to me this year. I had a um, massive increase in total mileage. Uh, So it looks like I'm going to hit, if everything continues over the next week, or so. I'm recording this on December 23rd. So happy Festivus to everyone who celebrates. Uh, it's a little Seinfeld joke for the you, for those of you who haven't seen it. Um, so if this next seven days goes the way it's supposed to go, I'll hit around 2,200 miles uh, for 2023. And that is nearly, almost exactly a thousand more miles than last year and a thousand more miles than I normally hit. Uh, so I want to talk about that because a lot of people reached out after I posted about it over on Instagram and said, like, you need to do a solo episode about this. So um, I guess first things first is that reaching 2000 miles was not a goal of mine in 2023 in terms of like writing that down and saying, hey, I want to hit this number. However, I did want to have a drastic increase in mileage. So it kind of was and wasn't a goal of 2023. Again, it wasn't super explicit with the mileage number. But I definitely wanted to drastically increase my miles, which is exactly what I was able to do. Also, I wasn't even aware of what my mileage mileage was for the year. Basically, what happened was, I think everyone saw this, who's on Strava, you kind of get your um, end of the year kind of wrap. It's almost like Spotify wrapped for Strava. So I got that. And that's when I realized how many miles I had run. I was about to, I think at that point, I had just crossed 2,000 miles or was just about to um and that's kind of when it popped into my head. I was like, oh, I wonder how many I did last year and looked in the years prior and things like that. And, you know, who knows if I've logged everything in Strava, but I think over the last two or three years I have, it's just kind of been my default setting on whatever GPS watch I'm using that it automatically uploads to Strava. And uh, even if I don't run with my GPS watch, I usually log it in just for memory's sake and being able to kind of compare year to year or training cycle to training cycle. So that was the first thing. So let's just talk about how I was able to do it, and maybe take some of those lessons for uh, 2023. Uh, so I think I said before, <laughs> the most miles ever ran in 2023. That was obviously 2022. Certainly, I'm now forecasting ahead, uh, so bear with me. Again, it's, it's two days, what, it's, it's 36 hours before Christmas, so <laughs> it's been a pretty crazy thing, pretty crazy, um, you know, pretty crazy couple days here in the Shinnam House, as I'm sure you all can relate to. So, these are in no particular order except for the first one. Uh, first, most important thing that I did where I was able to have the biggest mileage year of my life, easy, intention, okay? Like I just said, 2,000 miles wasn't the goal, but I had a clear and definite goal of what I wanted to do in my running in 2022. And the most important thing easily was raising my mileage. And it's something that was not merely something that I wrote down on a notepad on you know the morning of January 1st and said, this is a resolution. It had been burned into my mind long before January 1st, 2022. I knew this for a long time and was excited to build towards it. Uh, December of 2021, was a was a great month for me, and I really um, really set me up to have a really solid January of 2022. You know, I came back from CIM 
ready to go. And uh, really, January 2022 was easily the most mileage I've ever run in any January. And it was a great way to kick it off. But I didn't just go from zero to a lot of mileage. I you know, kind of, you know, you know, kind of weaned into it a little bit. And that's, you know, what you want to do. So first, first thing is just the attention. I wanted to do it. I was aware of it. It was foremost in my mind. It wasn't a fly by night goal setting exercise. This was in very important to me. And it stayed that way the entire year. So that is the first thing. Okay. So intention, boom, let's put, put that out there. Okay. Now this is when, yes, actually, no, the next one is, is number two, but then, then after that, it will be a little bit more random. The second thing is health, right? We say this all the time. A- availability sometimes is the best ability. And when you're talking about process goals like this one, obviously health has a major component to it, right? If I'm, and there was, I think uh, was a couple of years ago, I could say, compare my mileage from this year to say 2020. Yeah, 2020. Let's just look at the year 2020. I had like three months of like zero miles. <laughs> I had a nebrosidus issue that wasn't identified the right way. We weren't sure what the injury was. And so for three months, I didn't run at all. And it wasn't because I didn't have intention or I you know, was slacking off or I was procrastinating or a variety of different things. It was purely, Hey, I didn't run cause I was injured. Right. So part of this is luck. Okay. Right. Like, like if I've, I've, I've gotten injured so many ways, I've gotten injured playing soccer with my son. I've gotten injured opening a window in my daughter's room. Right. I've gotten injured say with the nebrositis, right. That was not luck. I got injured with a nebrositis because I didn't proactively strength train, do mobility and do, you know, just even basic strength work to put myself in a position for my leg muscles to take care of the load that was then shifted to my knee ligament. And that's no one's fault but me. Okay. So there are going to be certain injuries. Like you get in a car accident, God forbid, right? Let's just say a minor one or even a a big one. Like I obviously like, I hope that doesn't happen to anybody. And I'm literally, can you hear this? I'm knocking on wood as I say it. Like that's, that's just going to impact your running and your life. Okay. So the running goal kind of goes out the window in terms of like, Hey, I want to run 2000 miles, right? You shift, right? You shift the goals and and that's exactly what you want to do. Okay. However, if you take luck out of it, we can't control it anyway, so let's just remove it from the equation and say, okay, availability is enormously important here. It's critical. What can I do to make sure that I set myself up for that? Okay, so first part of that is health. Okay, so the nebrositis thing for me was a great example of this. Okay, in 2020, nebrositis is a huge issue. And I shouldn't say, was it 2020 or 2021? You know what? It was 2021. I apologize. My years are getting all my stuff, but that doesn't matter. I didn't do what I needed to do and it backfired. Now, 2022, I learned from my mistake. I figured out what exercises I need to do to make sure that that doesn't crop up or say it starts to like, you start to feel a little bit in the knee, right? Just a little bit for me, or maybe there's a problem issue, problem area that you may have. Attack it right away. You can't wait on it, right? So for me, as an example, if I start to feel something in my knee, I know like, all right, am I doing my pre-run you know, quick mobility work on the hips. I'm doing, am I doing my, my step ups and my reverse lunges or my squats? Again, not a whole, I'm not doing 20 minutes mobility stuff. I'm doing like maybe five minutes, but that's enough for me. Am I doing that? If the answer is no, Hey, let's get to it. Right. 
Also, uh, post run, am I doing the step ups, the reverse lunges, and some strength work as well? Like as my mileage increases, as or anyone's, frankly, not just mine the more work you have to do to kind of support that mileage in terms of the strength work that you're doing. And um, Jason Fitzgerald's done a lot of good work on this on the Strength Running Podcast. He's going to come on here in a week or two to talk about that um, here on this podcast. And, you know, making sure that you're doing the right things, not only proactively, but also as soon as you get a hint of something popping up, make sure that you're addressing it right away. I mean, it's just, you know, what do they say? Like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound in something. <laughs> I forget the, forget the phrase, but basically you're better off worrying about it now. It's going to cost you a lot less in terms of time and maybe even money, especially if you have to go to a PT later. So make sure that you're doing that sort of thing. Availability is also about time and scheduling. So for some of you, time and scheduling really isn't that big of an issue. Maybe you don't have a family that you have to worry about, right? Or maybe you have a family, but you're like me and you're like, hey, I'm now like I work for myself. So after I drop off my kids at school, I can go for my run at that point. And that's a really good setup for me. That hasn't always been the case. I haven't always been a full-time podcaster, right? There was plenty of times where I had basically had two full-time jobs. I was a run, I was a full-time podcaster and I had a full-time job and availability was a little bit harder to come by, but looking back on it, I still had time to run. So again, everyone's time is different. Everyone's goals are different, but making sure that Where running fits into your schedule, you take advantage of it. You think ahead. You plan ahead so that when those gaps in the schedule pop up or when the time arises for you to go on your run, that you're taking advantage of it right away. Now, that may mean that you have to be a little bit more type A about your schedule and, you know, planning out what you need ahead of time and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, maybe more type A than someone else that maybe is younger than you or has different life responsibilities than you have. Hey, that's just the breaks, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ultimately, all our lives are different and all our lives change. And if there's certain things that really matter to you, then you really need to make sure that you're doing everything in your power to maximize your opportunity to take advantage of them. Again, if you don't care about running, then use all of these tips for whatever you do really care about. Of course, if you don't care about running, you're probably not listening to this episode, but make sure, again, from availability perspective, make sure that you are scheduling appropriately and taking advantage of the schedule you have and planning ahead. This is another thing. So for me, there was a time where I could get all of my work and my running done while my kids were at school. That's not the case anymore. I'm running more. My my runs take longer. So now I'm waking up at 5 a.m. to do my coaching from five to six to six thirty. So that's kind of like every day I'm making sure that during that time I'm doing coaching stuff. Right. So I basically started it this week now that my miles are starting to get into like the high fifties and maybe even the low sixties soon. Okay. I was like, Hey, I just, I'm just not having the time that I need. Right. Also spoiler alert road to the trials season three is coming very soon in 2023. So I'm looking ahead like, Hey, I'm gonna have more on my plate. I need to make sure that I'm scheduling effectively. Okay. And for me, does that mean, Hey, when you wake up a little bit earlier, get my coaching done during this time block. So I can set up other time blocks for other things. Again, all feeds in to that availability situation. Now let's get into some other things, a little more running focus in terms of scheduling and mileage and things like that. With these things, it's a little bit less, you know, these aren't in order. Okay. First thing is, um, a bridge day instead of a rest day. Okay. Now I take a rest day every week. Okay. For me, a running schedule is six days a week. Okay. My rest day 
is on Sunday, traditionally. Okay. So unless something crazy happens with my schedule, my rest day is Sunday. Okay. So I'll run Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. All of those are easy runs and or workouts. So usually it's easy run Monday, workout Tuesday, easy run Wednesday, and Thursday is a bridge day. That's what I like to call it. I haven't heard that anywhere. I just like to call it that because I basically have my run schedule where it's set up into like a three-day block and a two-day block. And we'll talk about that two-day block in a second, where Thursday is kind of the bridge between those two things. And I know a lot of people in that situation will often take a rest day, right? They've had three big days in a row. Like, let me give you an example of my last week. I had basically after Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I had 29 miles over the course of those three days. And then Thursday pops up. And oftentimes in the past, I may have chosen to, and I know runners who do this now, they'll take a rest day on that day to recover and prepare for you know, their long run over the weekend or whatever. Okay. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just going to tell you what I've done this year. I have used that as a bridge day. So for me, that usually means four to six miles on that day easy recovery pace, right? So I'm running roughly 45 to 60 minutes on that day, nice and easy, almost a minute slower than my normal easy pace. Sometimes, sometimes it gets a little bit closer to easy pace, but today is a good example. I did a, uh, I did a, a bridge day and I had, I think it was like 10, 10 pace, right? Whereas my easy paces are normally around nine minutes. Okay. Again, I just went out there. The point of it is to get in a nice aerobic workout and prepare myself for the upcoming long run and things like that. Okay. So those days when you take, say you do one bridge day a week and you average five miles, each one of those over the course of a year, that's roughly 250 miles for the year. Now that's an enormous amount, right? If you're going for, if you're trying to go from 1500 to say 2000 miles and you normally take two rest days and you say, you know what, if I take this bridge day approach, and I do it in a way that is not accumulating stress on my body, then I'm halfway there to my goal in terms of what I needed from the previous year. And I think for me, it's really worked out well. And I never feel like that day has really accumulated any stress for me, in part because I already am taking a rest day, right? It's not like I'm trying to do this instead of instead of taking a rest day and say, hey, I'm doing this instead of the six-day run, running, running week. I'm doing this instead of the five-day running week, okay? So I'm doing... Six days with a bridge day. And I think that's a really nice way to keep the miles flowing while doing it in a way that makes it sustainable. So if you're someone who runs five days a week, I think that incorporating a bridge day, and it doesn't have to be running. Okay, here's the other thing, right? We're talking about running here, but we could also throw in cross training here as well, right? You could do 45 minutes to an hour on the bike or the elliptical. I think that you're getting a lot of benefit from that as well. Uh, But just from a running perspective, if you're on five days a week, incorporating a bridge day, maybe starting out three or four miles and then building up a little bit, but not a lot, not making your normal easy run, a little bit less than your normal easy run is a nice way to do it and it really can help out. Okay, now we're gonna do a quick break and we're gonna get into a couple more things. All right, do two more, two more big things. All right, next one is, two-hour runs. You've probably heard me say this a lot on the podcast, both to guests and when I do some of these solo episodes, normalizing a two-hour run is the most important thing that runners can do, especially marathoners can do, to make sure that their training is going seamlessly and to make sure that they are maximizing their potential, okay? 
a two hour run, especially if you haven't done them in a while or you haven't done them ever, is not something that comes naturally. You're going to need to adapt to it. Again, I'm not saying miles here. I'm saying two hours, right? There's some there's some science on the metabolism part of this and being able to like, you know, from an energy perspective and also just time on feet. I think this is a, a huge deal. If you're an ultra runner or you're a trail runner, then you're probably going to extend this more than two hours. But if you're a road runner, I think this is a nice spot to be at, especially for accumulated stress. Um, when you're thinking about two hours, especially if you're someone who chafes at that at first, and says, I don't know, man, that's, that's a long time. I'm not used to that. A lot of you, just like myself, probably did sports as a kid, right? Going into middle school and then certainly in high school. And for some of you, even at the college level and especially as a teenager and then into college, the two hour practice is just the normal, the normal time frame, right? If you're going to practice, it's two hours, right? Whether you're high school soccer, college field hockey, college basketball, whatever. Right? A two-hour practice is normal. And if you're in a fast-paced sport, again, like field hockey, like soccer, like basketball, like lacrosse or whatever, a two-hour practice is normal and is pretty grueling. And I, I try to remember this, you know, when I get a little like a little antsy about the two-hour run or I worry about it or say I'm in the middle of a run and I'm like, oh my God, this is taking forever. Or I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this or I'm not feeling the way I want to. And we've all had those dark place moments on the run. I try to hearken back to like, hey, when you were younger, like you would do this six days a week, a two hour practice. So what is inherently different with this two hour run? Spoiler alert, not a lot, maybe a little bit, right? Running on roads instead of running on grass or whatever, or things like that. But I'm also not doing anything explosive, not moving laterally, right? Especially like if I'm road running, I'm just running straight again. That doesn't mean, doesn't mean that it's easy, but a two-hour basketball practice is more grueling, just thinking about my own life, is more grueling than a two-hour run. It just is. Now, if you haven't done them in a while, you're going to have to adapt to it. There's no question about that. It's not just going to be easy off the bat, even if you're running an easy pace. I totally get that. I understand that. And for me, I had to build up to it to normalize it, right? That's what we're saying. Don't just go to two-hour runs. It's normalizing the two hour run. That is what I'm trying to say, because once you do that, then it's just not that big of a deal. And that's where you want to be. You want your two hour, easy paced run to just be not that big of a deal, right? Part of that is also fueling and things like that. Just assuming that you have the fueling dialed, you know what to do. We're not going to talk about that right now. It's very important, but that just, that's a different episode. Okay. But once you normalize the two hour run, it's going to greatly help Every aspect of your running. If you're a marathoner, I think it's just, I think it's mandatory. If you want to just be a good marathoner, you have to be doing this year, year round. Um, but even if you're just 5K, 10K person, listen, the key to those is also your aerobic base. And this is a big part of that. So I would say that this is a huge deal and something that has been a major thing for me. And now I can go out and do a two hour run. And it's not, again, let me give this week as an example. So today we have horrible weather, right? So everyone knows about the the, the crazy things. I think called Elliot the 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 the, the, the Elliot snowstorm or windstorm or whatever that's, that's going across the country that's hitting the Northeast uh, today. So yesterday morning it was supposed to be my bridge day, so I was supposed to be doing four to six yesterday. Uh, and I look ahead, I'm like, all right, like we're gonna have like 
30, 40 mile hour winds on, um, what's today? A Friday. And it's going to be like raining the whole day. Like, I don't want to do a long run in that. I prefer not to. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to switch them. I'm going to do my long run today and I'm going to do my bridge day tomorrow, which would mean that I'm doing my long run after 30 miles in three days, which for me is like not normal. Okay. However, I've normalized the two hour run. And that's exactly what happened. I started the I started the run. I wasn't quite as fresh as I normally am because I wasn't coming off of a bridge day. But after about 10 to 20 minutes, it would just felt like a normal run to me. And, and it felt fine. And then actually I mistimed my run a little bit. Uh, because again, I kind of like spur of the moment decided to make it a long run. So I didn't I like kind of lost track of the timing of picking up my kids on their half day for school because they kind of had a half day yesterday leading into winter break. And so I like all of a sudden I look at my watch I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I really have to book it here. So I kind of you know, picked it up at like marathon pace and maybe even half marathon effort um, for the last three miles. And I was able to do it. No problem. Why is that? Because the two hour run had been normalized for me, whereas this time last year really hadn't been. And that's been a big thing for me. Now, piggybacking on that. I already told you about how my week is start, how my week, my running week, I should say, is uh, scheduled, especially in the beginning. So it's easy run, workout, easy run, bridge day, right? So the first four days, then it's long run, and then it's medium long run, and then rest day. So let's talk about the medium long run, the day after a long run. This is, let me tell you, this was a huge, huge shift for me, an enormous change. I was used to in my past, basically like my previous 20 years, if I had done a long, if I had done a long run, the next day was an off day. Like that's what I was used to. Okay. Now, if I wanted to spice things up, I would maybe do the day before the long run would maybe be a medium long run. Right. So kind of go into the long run with some heavy legs. I had never done the reverse. So this was something that was new to me. And at first I got to be honest, I wasn't too happy about it in part because my legs just weren't used to it. And I wasn't used to it mentally. Normally, was I used to just feeling that way to start a run or even to finish a run and the fueling necessary for it. I just wasn't used to it in any way, shape or form. Right. Again, there's a lot there. Like I just said, it's like knowing how your body, knowing how your legs are going to feel, being okay with that, approaching with a positive attitude and fueling after your long run to allow your body to recover and bounce back the next day. I need to incorporate all of that into the mix. The first first few times I did this, I was like, oh my God, this is never going to work. <laughs> this is a horrible idea. What am I doing? And over time, it's just been a completely game-changing move. It's something that I've incorporated completely into my coaching. If any of my athletes are listening to this, unless their schedule makes it just really hard to do this, then they know exactly what I'm talking about because I schedule this sort of thing on their on their, on their calendars all the time. And oftentimes they go through the same sort of thing that I did, maybe not as dramatic. Um, but you know, once they kind of get used to it, it doesn't become that big of a deal. But it completely changes how you're able to, you know, just accumulate miles, how you're able to handle those miles. And then just from the whole point of this podcast, to rack up more miles week after week, month after month. Again, this is how things have worked for me. So a 10 mile run the day after a long run is just normal. That's just how it goes. In fact, at the end of that 10 mile run, I'm usually doing hill strides or, or flat ground strides at the end of it. So it's not just kind of surviving that eight to 10 miles. 
it's finishing in a way that allows me to provide a little, you know, pep in my step at the end to kind of make the most of those strides. And that's really changed things up for me. So it's something that I, I completely bought into after being the exact opposite in the beginning. And they often say there's, you know, there's, there, there's no zealot like a convert. And that is exactly how I would describe myself in that regard. Now, what do we got? I think that is about it for the things that I wanted to say. Uh, he had really four points, no, five points that I wanted to hit intention, health, medium long runs, bridge day, and normalizing two hour runs, all good stuff. Last thing I want to bring up, I didn't just run or I'm about to run 2,200 miles this year, which is nearly a thousand more miles than I had done the previous year and the year before that. But I'm also about to hit 100,000 feet of elevation gain on the run this year, which means that I'm basically running, you know, 45 feet of elevation gain per mile run, roughly speaking, on average for the year. Now, I brought this up at the end because some people just live in areas where this is just not something they can do, right? If you, my Houston runners, some of my Florida runners, like this, this is an impossibility unless they're just running on the treadmill all the time. So um, I'm not going to bring that up, but I will say running really not. I'm, I guess the way I would put it is that there was a time where, well, let me just talk about like where I live. Okay. I live off of a main road. And when I leave my neighborhood, if I run left, it means that I'm going to have a really hilly day. If I run right, I might have some hills, but I could also just get on the bike path and run from there. And it's going to be not hilly at all. Okay. And there was a time in my life where I would, I never wanted to go left at the end of my road. Just never wanted to do it. I wanted to turn right every single time. And basically I fed into that more often than not. Right. But it didn't make you know, I was still running the miles I wanted to run and things like that. And even on really good running days, I didn't, you know, I have a long run. I would turn right. Things would go well, but wasn't a negative, but I wasn't embracing the idea of elevation gain and incorporating hills into my training. And this year, and there were certain days where I would do that and certain weeks I would do that and then I would fall off. This year, I really tried to incorporate it all the time. And I can tell you while there are certain days where it wasn't nearly as fun and maybe other days when I was pretty sore or just not feeling it where I would, you know, maybe have a, a flatter run day uh, with less elevation gain. And, and maybe that was a good thing on that day. I think more often than not, I chose to, to really rack up more elevation gain on my runs. And that has helped me become stronger. And even though it's a more challenging way to get to the 2000 mile mark that I got to this year, I think it also helped me get there because it also made me stronger, which is kind of what we talked about with terms of being proactive in your health. And I think that it also allowed me to do that. Also, I did a lot more trail running this year. And where I live, we don't have like huge, like 300 foot hills for trail running, right? Some people have that. For us, it's not like that. Anyone who who does trail running in Rhode Island knows what I'm talking about. Of course, there's also no flat ground for the most part, right? If If you run over in Arcadia or Big River, which I spend a lot of time uh, in Big River, it's basically like a roller coaster of 20-foot inclines and declines. So you're just never running on flat ground. And if you are, it's because you're making a turn. And so you're not even like really going fast on that spot. But just the constant up and down, again, it's can feel like you're putting your legs through a meat tenderizer at times, but you adapt quickly. And that's the thing with this stuff is that, you know, 
I think the key to all of this is your body's going to adapt. It's going to get stronger. It's going to get better. And that is why, and I'll do an episode on this in January from a goal setting perspective, we're going to be touching on goal setting a lot over at Relay. So make sure you head over to Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Relay, where all of the creators over there are going to be talking about goal setting and what they're doing for 2023 and just how they approach goals. And we're going to be doing it in different media form media formats. But I will say that as good as this year was, and I'm pumped about it, I am like even more excited about next year. Like I'm not reveling in what I've done. That's for sure. I'm looking at it like, hey, this is just getting me hungry for more. Like I want 3000 miles in 2023 and I'm not messing around. I'm not saying that with bravado and trying to like, you know, shoot for the shoot for the stars, land on the moon kind of thing. No, like I want to run 3000 miles in 2023 and I'm going to. And that's going to mean that I'm going to have to average in the high 50s for miles. Well, that's fine. Because right now, I'm going along that path right now. Just like in 2021, December 2021, I worked hard that month to set myself up to run more miles in 2022. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. Okay. I ran 52 miles three weeks ago. I ran 53 miles last week. I'm going to run in the high 50s this week. So that when January 1st, 2023 comes and I have this new goal, I'm setting myself up for success because I'm thinking about it ahead of time and I'm preparing myself. Even though it's a stretch goal, it doesn't mean it has to come out of nowhere. And that's kind of what I'm excited to do. And with the idea of, hey, this is going to be hard. And there are going to be weeks where maybe like my miles actually goes down to zero, right? I had that happen this year. I got COVID. I had a zero mile week. And the week after that wasn't much more. And the week after that wasn't a whole lot more than that either. And you know, if that happens, that means that I'll probably have to average in the 60s for most of the weeks where I'm running because there might be some weeks where that doesn't happen. And that's fine too, because I'm building up to that. So I'm excited to do that. Uh, lastly, and we'll talk about this for goal setting perspective. You know, say something happens where all of a sudden 3,000 miles does work because of injury or life circumstances. Whatever. <laughs> I can move past it, right? I'll set a new goal. All right, I'll, it'll be fine, right? I'm not going to set a new goal simply because I'm not doing what I need to do. I'm not going to procrastinate my way into a new goal. But if there are situations out of my control that make it so 3,000 miles in 2023 isn't going to happen, then I will pivot and I'll move on because why wouldn't I, right? I'm not just going to sit here and dwell on it. I'll move, move on get a new goal and make it again in the same realm of making it a, a stretch goal, make it challenging, make it something that something that I'm excited to go after and then go from there. So thank you so much for listening. 2022 has been so much fun here on the podcast. Make sure you go check out Relay. If you haven't done so already, the best content, best running content on the internet. I have no doubts about that. I feel so strongly about all of our creators over there. Road to the Trials is coming your way in 2023. We're going to do a year long Season three, Road of the Trials for the Marathon Trials in Orlando. That's going to be so much fun. We have four people. Four people already said yes to being part of it. I'm going to try to get eight. I have no doubts because I just started trying to recruit people this week. Getting a lot of yeses from some very, very exciting people. And I just cannot wait to tell you all about it. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.